Allie's wearing Debbie's shoes. Here here she comes. It's just too much. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's good to have Cece back with us again. Winford is fine, and he's, as she says, gallivanting around with family members today. So it's good to have Winford being able to gallivant after these things. Um, uh, there are a lot of things that the Lord is uh, wanting us to share today, and I encourage you to avail yourself of the Bible to Genesis 23. Um, yesterday, it was our privilege to to have a... Um, a Zoom gathering with uh, a significant number of uh, pastors and leaders from Western Europe, and um, we uh, we've been so blessed by seeing the way God has been establishing our saints in the countries there. And over the past couple of months, uh, Pastor Vicky from Port St. John has been teaching those dear ones, about uh, intercession, and particularly the, uh, the, the topic of Pagah. And um, so it was, it was a great delight. Um, the, the way this is structured is that uh, whoever is teaching, you know, the last semester Monica taught, and then in the off weeks, like two weeks later, then we have a question and answer where I join in and talk to the folks about, you know, what they've encountered as they've studied what has been taught. And very often the Spirit takes off and we talk about other things that are issues in their countries or what God is doing. And it's a, it's a really wonderful time. So yesterday, um, the follow-up was regarding Pogah. And you know that Pagah is a term that many of you have taught on over the years. It is uh, the initial um, term that is used that speaks about when God uh, was searching for an intercessor, and that, of course, speaks about being sensitive to the Spirit. That speaks about um, being willing to obey what God says there, to do the hard things that God might say there, and um, but really being willing to partner with God. And that's what God searches for, and that's what God still wants today from his people. And, um, you know, um, as, uh, as people were talking about uh, the different factors that they had learned, uh, I just started to peruse all the passages that um, that involve Pagah. And, and I, um, you know the way that works. You know, you have people talking about the Scripture, and, you know, they're asking legitimate questions about a teaching. And uh, for me, I, I had their faces here, and, and then I had the screen with the, with the Bible programs on it. And I was scanning through, and the Lord just absolutely got a hold on me concerning a passage in regard to this that we've referenced, but I don't recall anyone really teaching on it. And I think that it's, it's something that <clears throat> the Lord has reserved for this moment for you and for all of us in this transitional time. And, um, you know, I, I appreciated so much the, uh, the worship time this morning and all the things that were sung. Um, I, was, I was really uh, amazed that, you know, the, the, one of the sections that Elizabeth was singing was really encapsulating what Abraham felt here. And, and I, I do believe that as we look at this, 
um, it's, it's, a, it's a rhema word for all of you. And I think that the Lord reserved this in his path, these, this, this teaching that we've enjoyed for decades now. Um, God's reserved this first issuance of Pagah for now. Now, again, you might argue, you know, the first issuance was really Isaiah when God said he sought for an intercessor, and that was really an eternal thing. But where it's found in the scripture, this is the first issuance in Genesis 23. Now, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to see why this is so important. You know, we call it the law of first issuance. Whenever something is mentioned in the scripture for the first time, that has significance. You know, the, 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 the Lord is the author of this word. The, the Spirit inspired and put together this word to preserve for you and me. And I believe that our God is big enough to be able to lay things out exactly the way we need to have them. And so a first issuance really makes a big difference. And of all the things that we've learned about Pagah from Beniah falling upon Abner to, you know, uh, Jacob coming into the place of the double camp where the angels were, or Jacob being at Bethel and, and meeting God in that Pagah moment, or all the other ways that that term is used for us as intercessors. Um, I think that what God shows here in, in Genesis 23 is a key to each one of them. Because it's not just about meeting with the angels, even though that's wonderful. But the more you meet with angels, you recognize that they're serving the Father, and they're called to serve alongside you. They're, they're interested in what the Father is giving to you. They want to look into it. So we, we're not enamored with angels. The angels are God's servants. We're grateful for them, but they're co-laborers. And, you know, I, I recognize that um, we're honored and blessed to have had the experiences that God has allowed us to enjoy in him. And, um, but if, if, if every time we saw an angel in this place, we stopped down and made it a big event, we'd never get anything else done. And God doesn't want that. that none of the angels want our our obeisance. They don't want our worship. At least the godly angels don't. And so, um, but Pagah is not just about being aware of angels. It's not just about welcoming uh, an event in God. It's not just about hearing something from the Lord in God's divine authority and doing a, 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 a very decisive act, even though that's exciting and it's necessary. We need all those things. But the key to being a, a Pagai intercessor is found right here. And this, this period of time in, in Abram's life, Genesis 23, was a significant moment, as I believe we're in a significant moment right now. I keep wanting to go down here and walk, but I don't, I don't want to Scott's still in his boot. I don't want to give him any trouble trying to keep up with me. <laughs> um, Sarah died. She was, she was 127 years old. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And she had had a child not very much earlier than that. And um, so Abram finds himself in a moment that he was not used to. Um, and um, he, he recognized that this was something that God had ordained, and he was processing it. There's a lot of parts to this, and I pray you, you stick with me, because um, everything I'm going to say about Abram is things that you're facing in this transitional moment. He's the father of all who walk in faith. And this is a key to Pagah moments that we're going to be having in the days to come. And they're going to be increased in number and in, in potency, the way it affects us. So Abram was mourning, he was weeping, and he came to 
I, I suppose we should read this. Uh, Genesis 23, verse 1. Sarah was 107 and 20 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kirjath Arba. That's an interesting place because it is basically Hebron. And we'll talk about Hebron in a moment, but you should already be ahead of me because you should know what Hebron represents. Um, Kirjath Arba is, is interesting as well because um, it's the city of Arba. Arba means four. Arba was the, uh, the father of Anak and the famous Anakim, uh, very people of great stature, people who were fierce in battle and intimidating in sight. These were the people that inhabited Hebron, that the, uh, the spies, the initial spies going into the promised land were afraid of. In fact, they even said, oh, the, the Nephilim are back with us, which really wasn't true. And, if you, and some people take off of that and they say, see, there were Nephilim there. I, I, you've got to take that in context because there, that, that would also mean if you take everything literally there, that means that the people of God were grasshoppers. And some of them might have been, but I don't think that was a characteristic of the Jewish people that came out from the wilderness. But these people were, were large individuals. Arba was the, 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 uh, the mighty man that produced these ones. And they were the ones that are in that mountain then when Caleb came and said, give me this mountain. And he... he saw the Lord bring it about. So this was the place uh, where Abram was meeting. Mamre was in the, the valley of this place. This was Abraham's kind of, in his later years, it was kind of his go-to place. And this was where he and his wife were in the tent, and God came with the angels and talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. So we, we often don't associate that Abram was well-known there at Hebron. And in fact, he is in this place as um, uh, a mourning for Sarah. And he stood up, verse 3, from before his dead and spoke unto the sons of Heth. Now, these were the forebears of the Hittites, one of the greatest civilizations in, a, in the ancient world. They, they were a major competitor with Egypt and they, they held their own against Egypt. And the challenge was, I remember watching a, a BBC series a few years ago. It was prolific. Jeremy Irons was the narrator. And, of course, I like his voice anyway. But he was talking about how a plague of some sort came through one of the conquests of the Hittites and um, just basically wiped out the people, just, just wiped them out. I mean, it just did a number on most of them. But the Hittites were very very astute people. They were intelligent people. They were um, really disciplined in warfare. And when Egypt and some of the hieroglyphics that are found in, in uh, modern-day Egypt, uh, you see the Hittites depicted, and they were a fearsome group. They were always very difficult to fight against because they were strategic, and they were also skilled. Uriah, the Hittite, the original husband of, of Bathsheba was, was one of these, uh, the, the, the remaining lineage. And you can even see the way he was with David. He was so disciplined that when David called him in from the front and said, hey, you need some R&R, &R, you know, why don't you go and spend some time with your wife? He wouldn't do it because he said, the men are still out there in battle, and I am not going to be a part of that. This, this was his discipline. And even when he was commanded to go up to the, to the front of the wall in battle, which was kind of a no-no, I mean, that was not the smartest thing, you know, um, he did it anyway. He obeyed orders. So these sons of Heth were the original uh, people of, of, um, of, the, of the Hittite lineage. So you find Abraham here at Hebron, in the shadow of these giants that intimidated his, 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 his uh, progeny f over 400 years later when they were going to come back into the land, and in the presence of one of the most fearsome groups uh, that was known in that civilization, or what would be the Hittite forebears. So Abram is there, and, um, 
He says in verse 4, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I might that I might bury my dead out of my sight. And um, the children of Heth answered Abram, saying unto him, Hear us, my Lord, thou art a mighty prince among us. In the choice of our sepulchres, bury the dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulcher that thou mightst bury thy dead. And Abram stood up and bowed himself to the people, and that was a shekhah, and... Um, of the land, even to the children of Heth, and he communed with them, saying, If it be in your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me to Ephraim, the son of Zohar, and there's our Pagah phrase, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it to me for a possession of a burying place among you. And so you see that Abram gets this um, through the negotiation that goes on there. But I want to come back to the essence of, of where we are in, in this Pagah moment. Um, one of the things that we need to see is that these, these men of uh, sons of Heth says that Abram is a mighty prince. Now, I, you can see here that Abram is really talking to some, some people that are not to be messed with. These are basically going to be enemies. <laughs> He's, in fact, this cave where he buys the plot of land is um, basically then going to be part of the, the heritage of Judah. And you can read about that later when Caleb takes this and then his daughter comes and asks for more land. And it says specifically this is going to be part of Judah's inheritance. So this is a very significant place. Uh, these men of Heth said mighty prince. Uh, mighty, if you look it up, is an, an Elohim. And prince is somebody that is a chief, a leader that is to be reckoned with. These men recognized that Abram was not just a, a mighty man, but he was, he was representing God. I mean, if you, if you talk about somebody being known as an Elohim, which God says in his word, you are Elohims. He wants us to be functioning on behalf of his heart. When, you, when, when your enemies say that, and they say, you're, you're a man to be reckoned with, it, it gives you an insight as to how the enemy camp views you, whether you recognize it or not. You are a saint. You are a son of the Most High God. You are an intercessor of the Most High God. You represent him. And this was before any warfare really took place. It would take place in the, in the centuries to come. But this is really a powerful insight for us. This was the time of a very unique transition for Abraham. Now, why does Sarah have to die? And I'm not forecasting that anybody's going to die. I'm not suggesting that you knock anybody off. I'm not suggesting any of that. But this is a transitional moment. The key point for any of this is Isaac, because that was the heritage that Abraham was promised of God, and that was going to be the seed from which God's promise was going to evolve. Uh, and... So Isaac is the key. And you'll notice that immediately prior to Genesis 23, you have that issue where Abraham takes Isaac up to the top of the mount. It's just right before this. And Abraham is supposed to be sacrificing Isaac. And then the angel cries out, and, and you have a righteous vision, Jehovah Jireh, and you, you see the provision of the Lord. And Abraham is willing to do that. Now, I'm not God, obviously, and I don't really know. I'm just, I'm just hypothesizing here. Why did Sarah die here? And, and then immediately after this, immediately after Genesis 23, Abram goes before the Lord and he says, you know what? We've got to get a wife for my son. It's time for him to start fulfilling what, what 
God's promise is. And he sends Eleazar out, which is a helper of Elohim, into Laban's household, and he brings back Rebekah. So you know all that story. So right in the middle of this, Sarah dies. Now, the only thing I can think about is that you could see the way Sarah watched over this boy. I mean, she was the one that said to Hagar and to, and to Ishmael, you know, Abram, you get them out of here. I don't like the way she's giving me the stink eye. You get them out of here. And so he just sends them out into the wilderness, which was basically a death sentence. And the angel hears and comes down and opens up a supply of water and prophesies over Ishmael something great. But that was the protective nature and probably the possessive nature of this woman. I don't know what she would have done if she was involved in trying to find a wife for him. That's just my thought. I don't know. He could have been a bachelor for another hundred years, for all I know. And, you know, Abram was going to live. Uh, this, he still had a third of his life to live after this. So he, he had some time left. Um, so I'm not faulting anybody. But what I'm saying is that this was a transitional moment that God was obviously testing Abraham about Isaac. And that was the focus of it all. In fact, as soon as Sarah dies, Abram doesn't go searching for another uh, concubine or another woman. He immediately gets about the business of for pushing, pushing forward what God wanted to do with Isaac. And that was that's the next thing that happened. So this death of Sarah in chapter 23, is sandwiched in between the Jehovah Jireh and Eliezer, go find a wife for my son, so that this promise of God can be fulfilled. So I come back to the point that this first Pagah moment was a transitional moment. It was a time that was in the presence of uh, mighty people on earth who would factor into the biblical story in the years to come. And of course, we recognize that Hebron was not just known for, um, for the giants that were there. Hebron was known as a place, you know, that, that root word was also used, as we've studied before, to describe charms, to describe witchcraft, to describe what sorcerers would do, there was obviously an estemi point of power there. Hebron was the place where the kings, the, the people of God, would go to be anointed as kings. David was. Solomon went there. And so we know that it was a place of promotion. We know that it was a place of giants. We know that it was a place of the miraculous. It was also a place where the enemy was trying his very best to confuse and to... Um, to manipulate fear, and to create perversions in the spirit realm. So this is very interesting. You know, sometimes, sometimes you wonder, now Abram had his tent there. He was known here in the later part of his life. This is where he was existing. And you think, God, you really, you talked about putting us in the presence of our enemies, and boy, was Abram there. Well, you know, on the one hand, he's got Sodom and Gomorrah with all that filth and nastiness going on. And on the other hand, he's got this place where uh, it's intimidating warriors and skilled uh, people of battle and witchcraft tapping into uh, that area, and, um, and, but also the promise of the anointing of kings and sending forth people uh, as the tribe of Judah in battle. This is an interesting place, and I believe that we are in that place. I believe that God has brought us to this point of transition for us to, to, to believe for the next step in what we're to be doing and how God is going to be igniting the mission that he's entrusted to us. Do you, do you understand that last phrase? God has entrusted a mission to you. That is beyond anything we recognize. And he's about to take it into that next phase where we're going to see expansion and, and um, uh, the moving forth of, of God's hand in ways unlike we've ever seen.
We've seen God move, bless his name. We've been privileged to walk in the miraculous. But I think any one of us could say, even over the scope of the, of the last three years since God first started prophesying transition, we've, we've encountered some really weird things. Not, not only what's happening across the world with this pandemic, but in other ways. And, and we have to focus on the fact that what was the goal for Abraham? What was the goal? Well, God brought them the son, Isaac. But then God didn't want to stop with Isaac. It wasn't a one and done. Well, there's all this business about the sands of the sea and the, the lineage coming. And so uh, it was imperative that they take this next step into that point of development. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not God. I'm just suggesting that perhaps there might have been something that Sarah was unwilling to do to share her little boy with another woman. I don't know. But obviously God knew, and he took her out of there. I would say this. God wants us to keep our eyes focused on his promise. And we must not allow anything to keep us from participating with him in that promise as a Pagah person and to move forward into the new. It's being done in the presence of the enemy. And which is what God does. He shows forth his mysteries in the theatron. This is what God said to the intent now that before the principalities in the heavens, I'm going to show forth my power and my mysteries amongst my sons, the church. I, that was a paraphrase, of course, but you know it's scriptural. And, and so I believe that this first issuance of Pagah is are we willing to not just except a breakthrough miracle. Oh yeah, here it is. We've got network outposts in all these places and uh, people are learning to pray and stand in the gap in their histemes and to believe God for his kingdom to come. Yes, we're, we're wonderful. Well, not we're wonderful, but it is wonderful. But are we willing to say that's not the end? Are we willing to say that God needs to take the, that God he doesn't need our help. He just needs our willingness to enter into the Pagah. That God is going to take this further now. And, and I believe we've come to this point where we've been just kind of waiting for, for whatever God is doing. You ever notice how God, whenever he does miracles in the Scripture, if, if you look, there's not only desperate situations, otherwise you wouldn't need a miracle, but there's also this waiting business. You know, Fabian's going to speak about patience next week. Look forward to that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm going to open up the Red Sea, but you're going to stand there and wait like a bunch of dummies for Pharaoh to catch up. That, that, goes, against any, that goes against anything that we would do. It's just in the natural mind. And we see the enemy mobilizing right now. We see all kinds of horrific things being proposed and threatened, and we see the, the advance of strategies that the, the beast is going to use eventually, and you, you see that all happening, and you wonder, Lord, okay, you know, we could have been moving a year ago. You know, we could have gone down there and had these conventions that were planned, but God says wait. So we've had to wait. We've been praying. We've been seeking him. And we've been saying, okay, Lord, what all does this transitional moment mean? And part of it is, are we willing to say, this is yours, Father. We're laying this blessing on the altar. And, you know, we don't know how you want to do it next, but we're willing to give this to you. Are you willing to do that? Have you done that? Have you laid yourself and all of your accolades and all of the ways God has, has uh, equipped you? Have, you? have you truly laid it all before the Lord and said, all right, I'm going to hold on to the mission, but this mission is yours. I believe that God is refining us. I believe that he is perfecting us. I believe that he is strengthening us, and he's causing us to be I would hope, uh, not only refined, but, but um, the, 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 again, a point of Gilgal, a point of circumcision of the heart, 
as we're ready to go forward. So you, you, you have all of that coming here in this first issuance of Pagah, rather an unusual thing. And I can see why we didn't really focus on it, because it's, it's, a, whole lot, it's, a, it's a whole lot more demonstrative to teach about Mahanaim and to teach about falling upon somebody or to teach about partnering with God. You know, God's been searching for a Pagah. Man, that preaches. I mean, you can take that out and get folks around the world hopping with that. I mean, for us, it's, it's just yesterday's uh, meat. We love it. It's great. But I can see why I didn't think, well, I think I'll lead off with Sarah dying and uh, Abram being there as an old, old geezer. You know, which he was. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I'm almost in the old geezer club, so I can say that. They're not going to ban me from Netflix. But, you know, the, the thing is, though, that um, he, I, I can see why it didn't present itself to really focus on it in this way. But yet, here it is. Um, you know, when we were speaking yesterday, one of our dear saints from over there, in, in France, uh, recognize that in Genesis, three times Pagah is used. Uh, the first was here. Um, the second was um, the Mahanaim. And, and uh, no, the second was Bethel, and the third was Mahanaim. And that's, that's interesting. It's, it's a wonderful trifecta as it were, where we've got to be willing to lay ourselves down and keep our eyes on the mission and lay down every other thing so that we can partner with God in seeing that mission taken forward in the way that he wants to take it forward. And then, you know, you've, you've got to do, remember when we taught a lot about the ladder of Elohim, and we talked about Jacob meeting with Elohim and Yahweh looking down from the top of that ladder, and how that place of Meeting God face to face is so important. And then, you know, you're, you're walking, you're sensing wherever God is. And, and that place of the double camp with the angelic, I think that is really, those three things are what God is honing right now. But the first issuance of Pagah is here. And the first issuance of this really speaks about what is necessary to continue to be an intercessor. And I, I, again, I, I could, I, I know that all of us have recognized in the saints' movement that some have, um, who, who, you know, I think it's safe to say that Sarah was very important to Abraham. I think it's safe to say that she walked with him. She, she encountered him with God. Wherefore didst thou laugh, Sarah? Uh, she, she stuck with the plan, and she bore this son, Isaac. I mean, those are no small things. That's an amazing thing. And I know we as saints have seen some who have, who, who have been very close to us be set aside, and not by our doing, but there it was. And I, I can feel uh, as as over the past couple of years, as Abram felt mourning and to, to a degree weeping, not understanding why that would be. It's up to God as to why that would be. But God was not finished with Abraham. In fact, God wasn't finished with Abraham with a long shot. Here comes uh, Eleazar. He finds uh, the wife, comes back. Isaac is there. If you'll read later, uh, Abraham finds himself a, a woman, which Robert Fulton would, would like this name. This is the name of one of his daughters, Keturah. And he bears a number of other sons. So Abraham is still prolific. But the point, though, is that at this moment, Isaac was the key. I mean, all those other sons that Abraham bore, he said, the Bible says he sent them away with gifts, sent them to the east country. But Isaac... That was the key. You know, we're going to encounter others that other ministries, other points of, of uh, interest that we have, and God's going to use us to be fruitful in them. But we, uh, as Mark said earlier uh, in Sunday school, we have to keep our eyes on the mission. We have to keep our eyes on this thing that God has given us. And we, we can't let anything get 
get in his way. And, and it, 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 I, I, just, I just know that this was a, I can't even imagine what Abraham was feeling. But at this point, the enemy has recognized him as, as a mighty one who deals with Elohim. Uh, there they are in this prolific, prolific place in the history of Israel that represents so many spiritual factors. And here, here it is. Um, I think it's interesting, too, that when Abram does finally die, uh, both Isaac and Ishmael come together to take him back to this cave of Machpelah, and they bury him in there with Sarah. That's interesting, isn't it? So here, note, keep this in mind. So here is the father of, of uh, all of all the Jewish folks, and the father of all who walk in faith. He's, he's buried there at this place. Um, and when the people of God come back out of the wilderness, it was to this region that the spies come in initially, and they see the, 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 the children of, of these very people, and they say, oh, we can't do it. And they come running out. And God says, okay, I, you know, I, I, I'm putting words in God's mouth here, but you're not going in. And then when they come back around, the thing that really touches the heart of God when they're ready to go into the land was Caleb who says, that mountain right there, give it to me. It wasn't that he just chose the biggest kid in the line. I'm going to take him down and everybody else is going to shudder. No, that was their point of heritage. That was this first point of Pagah. The spies got weak-kneed at the first point of Pagah. Uh, Caleb put on the armor of God as an 80-year-old and said, give me this mountain. We're well able to take it at this first point of Pagah. And I, and I think that this point where kings are made, this point where the enemy has tapped in. Remember, that word is used throughout the Old Testament to describe charms and sorcerers, and God says, you've got to put those all away. You've got to get them out of here. That, this, is, this is a significant point. It was at this, very near this place, when God came down and communed with Abram about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you realize that in the days that are coming, God's going to be speaking with you as intercessors about giants in the land? God's going to be speaking to you as intercessors about how his judgment is going to be released in, on a national and regional scale. God's going to be speaking with you as intercessors, as mighty sons of the Most High God. This, this is an incredible thing. But at this place, God is saying to us, are you willing now to recognize that I'm going forward with this mission? You know, Abram, Abram was an old guy here. You know, he could have folded up camp. I just can't go on. Who's going to make me uh, biscuits and gravy in the morning? Sarah's not here. I just can't go on. I mean, he, you don't see any of that. You see him like David was when he and Bathsheba's first son was died. He washed his face and he said, I will go and worship the Lord. So I, I just feel that this is uh, a unique rhema for us. I know it is for me, and I know that um, anybody who was watching that, I know Monica was part of that yesterday in a, in a powerful way. Um, I, I just kind of took off and started talking about this. And I, I had never, I read this. Of course, we've all read the Bible. We're thankful for it. But I've read this, but I never really felt the unction of the Spirit about this, uh, this Pagah instance, even though it was the first issuance. I'm kind of ashamed of myself on that regard. But then again, I also recognize that God didn't illuminate it until now. So I'm not going to follow after a teaching and an emphasis if I don't feel that it's what the Spirit is saying at this moment. But here we are now, after all these years, and God says, 
Look at this first issuance. This is where you are at this crucial juncture point that is going to determine the kingship, the, the anointing of kings across this world. The anointing to, of kings who will represent what God is doing as intercessors in nations around the world. Here you are at this point. Giants are, are going to be faced. Cities are going to be judged. God's presence is going to come. The Jehovah Jireh, that, that wonderful vision of the Lord, righteousness is going to be abounding. And you are going to be my representatives in a new way. But it's really the extension of the old way. Because God wasn't changing his game plan. It was still all about what God's promise was with Isaac. And that's what was going to be fulfilled. And that's what God's going to do through us. So I wonder where we are. I mean, what I'm talking about in this atmosphere, this transitional atmosphere, should not be a surprise to any of you. You've been walking through it. You've been with it. You've been living these kinds of things. I know I have. And, and I'm kind of very grateful that, you know, the principle of to do and to teach is really an accurate way that God moves. So the fact that the Father is sending this first issuance and saying, okay, you felt this stuff, probably means that we're on the, the goal line end of this thing. So <laughs> not pushed back in our own end zone, but we're, we're moving forward. That's exciting. But we still have something to do regarding this. And we need to recognize, as Abram did, that even though Sarah was being was taken out of the way, all of these other factors were there, and Abram was ready to go forward with the next step of what God had for his progeny, for the, the, the chosen patriarch that was coming. And uh, that, that, is, that is a wonderful thing. Now, where Eleazar, which is the next part of this, plays in, I, I don't know. I remember when we were kids growing up in the Assemblies of God, Eleazar was the Holy Ghost. That was going to be, this was rapture here. This was the rapture. He was being sent out as a friend of God to collect the children. Well, I don't want to dispute any of that, but I will say that what, what this was, uh, Eleazar is... He was a man. He was, he was a Syrian of all things. He was from Damascus of Syria. Can you imagine that? And uh, he's going out. Who knows what God will empower through the Holy Spirit? Who knows wh who God will use? Who knows what will be the, the doorway into some of these amazing points of connection? We've seen that in small ways. We've seen individuals who God used to open a doorway into new things. You know, one of the favorite things that I, I've, I've shared we, over the years, and I know you have too, with Luke and Sylvie uh, in France, was how God brought them into an alignment of partnership with us. And we didn't go into France... <laughs> by the invitation of Luke and Sylvie. We, we had some really strange invitations from some really unique people. And through that, then God opened that door, and through that door, then other people. And it blessed me to see these leaders. I want you to be praying about this. I mean, I mentioned this yesterday, and I've referenced it before, but sometime in the next couple of days, we're going to be talking with this very dear pastor in Brazil who has been to our meetings. I've been teaching him and his network of pastors over the past few months, and now he's wanting to bring all of them under the uh, alliance with the Saints Network and to become Net Saints Network people, all of those churches, all of those thousands of people. And and I, I we need God's anointing with that. We need prayer, because I don't want to make a false step. I mean, this, this man is not some new guy. We've known him for years. In fact, I call him Ricky Ricardo. That's how I remember him. 
You'd like him, man. He's, he's, he's a slick-dressing guy. He's a nice, humble man. But, you know, the point, though, is, is that this is the kind of thing that we can be expecting. Um, the days ahead are going to be amazing. But what is the principle of this first pagah for you and me? It wasn't a jump up and do, a, do a, an Irish dance here. Abram was on his face. He, he was weeping his mourning. He was laying something aside in a unique location, in that place where the giants were, in that place where um, so many of these factors that we've spoken about, spiritual points of power were. That's our root. That's where God has placed you. That's where God has placed us. And we are just going to follow. But we've got to lay ourselves down. I know we've been doing this. I know you've been doing this. So it's not like, hey, you better get after it. You've not been doing it. But to recognize what you've been doing and what you've been experiencing and sum it up with this rhema word. I mean, this is the father of all who walk in faith. And, and so that's us. And so we need to come before the Lord and say, Father, at this transitional moment, the past is the past, but the mission remains. You're going to do things in a new way, and um, it's, it's going to be triumphant. But we've got to be before you and to say, we're, we're going forth with a mission. We're still those sons that we're called to be. And we lay ourselves before you, Father, and we want what you want. And we, we say goodbye. That's what the Apostle Paul, this is no new thing. You know, forgetting those things that are behind, pressing forth toward the mark, doing things in the new way that God says, but keeping your eye focused on that mission. That's so important. That is so important. I, I don't want to belabor this, but it's still early for us. You know, Abram could have done a number of different, well, God wouldn't have let him, but he could have gone a number of different ways here. You realize that. He could have said, well, you know, I've got my son, and I'm an old guy. All these people around me, they, they revere me. You can hear what they say. I'm a, they think I'm a mighty prince of Elohim. And I can just kick back now. I can, I can just stay here. Well, you know, my son can find a son of the land. And you, know, you notice that what he said, Abram said to Eliezer, do not bring back a wife from these people. Do not bring back a wife from the Canaanites. That is off the table. Abram could have just taken it easy. I've done my best. Here I am. I'm going to leave this promise to itself. Isaac can find whatever woman. There's a lot of good pickings around here. and Some of them get one of them giant women. And, <laughs> you know, he didn't do that. Obviously, I'm joking. But... Um, he was willing to keep going with what God had promised, but in God's way. I, you know, it's, it's so strange, but uh, we've been walking together over these past many months, and it, it's been like uh, God's presence has been so rich and is so real, but in so many ways, it's been kind of like a death. It's been kind of like a a uh, this transition was saying, okay, I got to die to things, and things are dying to me, but the mission is ahead, and we're going. We're all Abraham. There's not one of us in here that's Sarah. We're all Abraham. Do you understand that? And, and so God is looking to each of us to say, okay, this really is the key. This is the key to being the intercessor that God wants. This is the key to partnering with the angelic. This is the key to meeting with God 
on earth face to face to welcome his kingdom to come and his will to be done. This is the key to being mighty ones that go and stand against wickedness and strike and fall upon. This is the key right here. Because if you don't have this mindset, all of those other things can go haywire. If you don't have this mindset, those other things can lead you into places you don't belong. Only God can trust you with the kind of power that those other pagas are, are indicating if you are willing to lay yourself before him, regardless of what things look like, regardless of how God changes things, am I willing to be as Abraham was and say, this is a Paga moment. So I'm going to lay my, on my face here, and I'm going to do things by the law. You notice the enemy offered to give him a sepulcher? You notice that? All these guys are saying, hey, we have sepulchers, all of us do. You know, you just choose whichever one you want. None of us will protest. And Abram says, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not having any of that. I want to pay for this place, this place particularly. And, and he negotiates 400 pieces of silver. Isn't that an interesting number? You know, 40 pieces of silver is not a very good thing. But a full measure of that is the perfect measure of obedience and devotion to what God wants. So we, we pay that price. We don't, we don't negotiate with the enemy. We don't take a freebie from him. Oh, you Christians, you know, you can keep on serving, but you got to do this. You got to promise not to do that. And, you know, don't, don't mention this over here because that will in, in, in intimidate people. Uh, you know, don't, don't speak too much about this because, you know, there are other words that are equal. We're not negotiating with the enemy in this hour. We're not taking his freebies to go along and get along. You know, you know, if he had chosen one of those sepulchers, you know, these were the people of the land. These were also people that were serving the enemy in a lot of ways. We've seen some who've been like um, what the Apostle Paul said, Demas has forsaken me, having put his agape in this present world. Abram wouldn't do that here. He paid what was necessary, and he owned that. How do we pay for this place? Through the power of the cross, through what God has promised and led us to. The Father has led us to that. And by our, our being a living sacrifice, you and me. See, God's not finished with you yet. You may feel some days like he is. You may feel some days like, ah. <laughs> I don't, maybe you don't ever feel that way. I'm sure Bev never feels that way. But I know some days I feel that way. And, um, but God says, you want to keep being a Pagai intercessor, here's the first issuance. And I'm grateful for this. So, you know, uh, we're right here in the middle of this month of October, this 10th month, a month that's uh, in so many ways a beginning of uh, the new spiritual year. And, um, you know, it's also a month that the enemy thinks is his, but he's not bringing death to us anymore during this month. There's no accidents. There's no murders. There are no things like that happening because God has put a hedge around us and we are his. We are God's. This is a fast of feasting month. We're rejoicing in this beginning of this new year. You know, as these next uh, days come, be ready for some prophetic directives. We're going to be doing some really unique things to stand before the Lord on behalf of our purpose and our mission. And it's important that as those details are coming forth that you pay particular attention to it because it's something that God is, is blessing and God is wanting. But the point, though, is, is that God knows you, he loves you, he's watching over you, he's keeping you. And um, he's, uh, he's very serious about what you've partnered with him to do. And, um, yeah, we're, we're a lot older than we were when, um, when we started this thing, but yet we're still able to take this mountain, and we're going to take this mountain. 
You know, I say those kinds of things. I'm not making it. I feel great. I may not look at it at times, but I, I feel great. And I'm, I, but I think it's important to say that because, you know, we've been believing for this for a long time. You know, we've been walking with the Lord for a long time, haven't we? It's been like that for the Father, but for us, it's been a lot of mileage on this, on this old vessel. But yet God's not finished, and he's going to do these great things. You know, what? why didn't, why didn't, see, we, well, you, it'd been a whole lot better if God would have just converted all those people right then. They recognized that this is the mighty man of Elohim. He could have come in, and they could have come in, and all, you know, that could have been the promised land right then. You know, those giants would, would have been serving the Lord. They, they weren't Nephilim. They were mighty Man, that's another topic for another time. But God has his ways, and this is what we're at right now. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord will, um, will especially, if you'll, if you'll take this passage and bring it before yourself and um, say, Father, I'm just as committed to you as I was from the first moment I entered into this invitation from you to be a Pagai intercessor. And, and really, you know, if you think about it, even though this wasn't spelled out right then, I mean, you know, I don't ever remember, I'm going to pick on you, Eminem, since you had a great testimony earlier. I don't remember going to you and saying the first time you came into this church when we met you down at the convention center, now look, you're going to have to go through all these things that you've gone through over these past years. Are you ready for it? Will you do it? And we didn't spell it all out, you know? God didn't tell us anything other than, do you want to know me more? Do you want to come into alignment with me? Do you want to partner with me? And we said yes, because that's that's what what we are and we walk by faith and we 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 walk through valleys and gain victories with our father and it's only after we've gone through it that god can highlight and say all right here's here's some meaning as to what i've been doing in you and this those things you went through has formed you into before me what you are right now and um I think that that's the case for all of us. You know, when, here at this church, um, honestly, when, when, when I walk the path that I walked as your pastor to present this measure of fasting so that we might become more of what God wants, God didn't sit down and say, okay, Ron, um, um, you know, I just want to tell you what's ahead. Um, a significant portion of the congregation is going to go away. And some of them aren't going to go away happy. And, you know, they're going to accuse you of things. And this is going to happen and that's going to... God didn't tell me any of that. And if he had of, and I knew it was God, I'd have been willing to do it. But, you know, I think God brought us to this point after we have seen his faithfulness. And after we have walked with him and found him to be closer than any brother and found him to be mighty on our behalf, who has preserved us and delivered us and provided for us in miraculous ways and opened doors that we never would have imagined would be opened around the world. And now God says, okay, you've walked with me in this. And with every point of challenge, you, you may not have understood it, but you were willing to keep going. At every point where it looked like you were just about dead, dead where you stood, by my power you were able to stand and you, you didn't run away. And, you know, those are, those are crucial moments that each of you have faced. But yet God has been faithful, and he is faithful. And now you come to this point, and you see 
this first issuance, which to me is just still an amazing thing, that after all these years and all the times we've taught on this, and it's all been right, it's all been biblical, that God would say, focus on this thing now. I just, I'm stunned by that. But I'm stunned in a way that I recognize is a rhema stun. Maybe quote that phrase, a rhema stun. That sounds like a country over in the Middle East somewhere. And they went from Tajikistan into Ramistan. <laughs> now, uh, this, is, this is something that God has given to us. So we need to embrace it, and we need to say, okay, Father, yes, I'm willing. I am, I am ready. This message that you've given is life. It's meat. It's vitality for people around the world. And you are, you are the only begun to do what you're going to do. Now, some of you I know have tremendous giftings, and I know the enemy has tried to come. I know he's done this to me, and I know he's done it to you. You know, it feels like, you know, these callings and the things that I've committed to you and education, and it just seems like it's not gone anywhere. Well, maybe it's gone farther than you realize. Maybe, maybe God's got you at this point, and He's saying, I want you to look now at what I prepared you for. You weren't ready. You know, as much as we wanted, we got the prayer badges and all those things, as much as we saw those visions 25 years ago, we weren't ready then. Honestly, I just confess that. Oh, we could lay, lay, stand people up and lay hands on them, and out they'd go, and we'd lay on our faces for hours in prayer. That's wonderful. The things God has done and the ways he's walked and the way he's opened doors and the way he's taught over these years are indispensable for you. And we, we, I'm not saying we're ready yet, but we're ready for what God is going to do next. And that's the walk of faith. It's the walk of faith. It's not the sprint of faith. It's even not the leap of faith. It's, it's not the the, I'm going to the fly of faith. It's not going to be any of that. It's the walk of faith, which means you take one step after another. And I watch Allie walking in Grandma's shoes, and I think that's a step of faith right there. Every step is like this. But you keep going. God's shoes are big shoes. You're his child. So who knows what's coming? All I know is that you're ready for the next step. And that step is a step of promise. It's a step of a fulfillment of the mission beyond what we've known to this point. So this is an encouraging word. Of course, in Texas, seldom is heard in a, a discouraging word. But this is an encouraging word. And we are, we are his saints. And, and I, I believe that over this next week, we need to be really appreciating um, that God is with us. Yeah, some things aren't around anymore. Some people aren't around anymore. We bless them. we got to find a place to bury them. But we're going forward. Amen? Father, I thank you today for these powerful men and women. I thank you for their callings and their anointings from you, and for the ways you have specifically trained and made them prepared for what is coming. And I call forth, recently, Father, you had us remembering what you've promised in this house. I call forth a remembrance of what you've promised to them as individuals. You are not finished with them yet. and Your anointing is upon them even now. And you're going to lead us all forward into victory for you. Give us that wisdom that you spoke about this past Wednesday in the book of Isaiah, that we will understand your strange acts and your strange works, that we would be willing to recognize those divine appointments that seem, seem strange, but yet they're of you, and that we would recognize those provisions those hidden places that are keys to victory in any warfare engagement, that we would understand those strange things that are your ways. I thank you for this, Father.
Help us all. I speak life. I speak health. I speak prospering and provision. I speak encouragement. And I speak the mind of Christ to be active in each of you that you would recognize what God is saying and you would have the wisdom to know what he's not saying. Thank you for this, Father. And Lord, while I'm at it, I just speak that whatever kinds of giftings you have been giving to your people, that you would cause those giftings to, to, be, de to be developed even in greater ways than what we've known. You know, we heard earlier about the dreams that you've been giving to our brother Mark. And we all know him to be somebody that God speaks to in dreams. I speak into him. I speak into you right now, brother, that God would take you to a higher level in that really unique gifting. You speak in dreams to all of us. But again, I think we all recognize that if there's been a teaching that Mark has given over this past year, if it has not begun with God gave me a dream, that would be a rare penny. God, we speak that you will that you will light that up in him and cause us to know how to take advantage of the way you speak prophetically to him in that way. And I thank you for this. But to everyone in this place, God has given incredible giftings, and I call them forth to the next level in you. And I thank you for this, Father. I speak blessing, and I thank you that that blessing is from you. And so, Father, be with us now as we go. And uh, as we pray this week and as we spend time with you, uh, let those be delightful times. But let us recognize why you've given us this message today. And let us fully embrace it from your word. And let us fully um, come into that next place of Pagah with you that you have ordained. We love you, Father. And we thank you for the privilege of walking with our Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the power and the invigoration and the guidance of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your spirit within us that uh, you want to quicken in new ways even in these next days. We thank you for all of this. We love you, and we do ask it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Thank you. And we'll uh, we'll be seeing you. But yeah, but yeah, but that's all folks.